Hey friends, I'm Becky Davidson. Welcome to the Rising Above Ministries podcast, where we share stories of hope, inspiration, and encouragement from special needs families from around the world. Okay, so have you checked out our free February download yet? We have so many great resources available this month from all of our marriage content to our February Restoration Family Downloads, and they are all completely free this month. You can find them through our app or through our website, so be sure to go and check them out. I know they will be such an encouragement to your family. You know, one of the things I love is getting to have the opportunity through this podcast to meet special needs parents from all around the world and giving them a chance to share their stories. Today, you get to meet a new friend of mine, Jane Gotro. Jane grew up in Northern Ireland and then moved to the States to attend Moody Bible Institute as an exchange student. And while she was there, she met her husband and ended up staying here. And she now lives in Oregon with her husband, Sabin, and their three sons. Jane is a stay-at-home mom and caregiver for her 18-year-old son, Ethan, who has autism. Jane has a beautiful and kind heart, and it was such an encouragement to me to get to spend some time with her. So I know that you are going to be blessed by her story as well. So here's the conversation I had with Jane Gotro. Hey, Jane, thank you so much for joining me for the podcast today. I really, truly am excited about this conversation and getting to hear more of your story and getting to know more about you. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Becky. I'm so excited to be here today. Well, I was reading a little bit about your bio and you grew up in Northern Ireland. Mm -hmm. And so I want to, how in the world did you end up in the States? So um, I was attending a Bible college in Belfast in 19, I think I went to Bible college in 1997. And in 1998, um, there was an opportunity for me to go to Moody Bible Institute in Chicago as an exchange student. And um, I really had never heard of it before, but I just felt like the Lord was opening up the doors for me to go there. And and uh, it was really hard because I had never spent time away from my family mm. for long periods of time. Right. And just the thought of going to a whole different culture um, was really scary for me. But anyway, mm. I ended up going to Belfast, Bi- or actually Moody Bible Institute in 1990, it was 1998. And uh, I met this young man there from Oregon. And um we started to date a few months, you know, into my year there. And um, we ended up getting married in December of 2000. And he brought me back to the United States. Um, not too long after our wedding, we had to go through the immigration process. Right. And, and that kind of stuff before we came over. So, yeah, that's how I ended up here. <laughs> And you've, that is amazing. And, and I love, you live in Oregon, which is one of the most beautiful parts of the country. And Mm -hmm. so what are some of the things that you enjoy doing in your life there in Oregon? I'm really thankful that God brought us to Oregon or that my husband was from Oregon because the landscape is very similar in some ways to Ireland. I grew up going to the beach as a child or to Mm -hmm. the coast. 
we have similar kind of coasts, rustic. And I, I absolutely love going to the coast. I love the ocean. Um, it's very restorative for me, yes. very peaceful. And Agree. also like, makes me feel like home a little bit. Mm. And um, so and I love that where we live, uh, we live in Southern Oregon. We live about three hours from Portland. But where we are, we're in a valley. So we're not, we're not too far from the coast. <clears throat> but we're also really close to, there's lots of hiking around here and so um you know we like to hike as a family and um we're not huge like snow people but our kids really enjoy playing in the snow and we have an area not too far away where we can go and play in the snow so, so yeah. you've got you've got coastal and and <laughs> snow you've got the best of it all so yes we do that's that is beautiful and so you've got three kids so tell us a little bit about your kids yes we have three boys um I grew up in a family of three girls so okay this was a whole new world for me Uh, yeah boy being a boy mom is totally different (laughs) than raising girls yeah and so our oldest boy we have Ethan who um is 18 years old and Ethan um was diagnosed with autism when he was four years old. And then we have Micah, who just turned 16. He's a sophomore in high school. Um, and he actually played football this uh, fall for the yeah. first time in uh, several years. So it's really neat uh, watching his games and just seeing him grow in that area. And then we have Sakaya, who is our youngest, and he's nine. And um, he keeps us. Young and exhausted. <laughs> Young and exhausted. Yeah, <laughs> keeping up with him and all all that that he wants to get into. I'm he, sure. So yes, he's fun. So you got your your son got his diagnosis when he was four. Yes. And so what what were those early days like for you? You know, young mom here away. You know, away from your home country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I am sure that that brought in extra challenges as well for you. And so what was that like for you when you're getting that diagnosis as a, as a young mom, you know, finding out at four years old, your first child that you're going to be dealing with this diagnosis? What, what was that like for you? So the process and getting to there was pretty overwhelming Mm -hmm. and it was very long because when our, when Ethan was born, um, we had, I had an emergency C-section and after the birth, everything was fine, and his APGAR scores were high. Mm-hmm. And so there was no indication of anything, any causes for concern. Right. And so it was probably around he when he was around two years old. Um, we were starting to attend like a, a playgroup with other moms, and I started noticing some mm. developmental. Uh, differences in him to his peers and Mm -hmm. he was my firstborn so he was perfect of course (laughs) yes you know and um but I noticed as time went along his speech was uh delayed Mm -hmm. and um he even when he was playing with the or when he was at the play group he would play differently. He wouldn't really engage with the other children. It was almost like he was off in his own little world. Mm-hmm. Um, when he would have a like a meltdown or a tantrum, 
he they would go on so much longer and um you know hit his head sometimes mm-hmm. and um he also um would walk on his tiptoes and so that was my first that was that was a concern for me because I just felt like something's not there's something I don't think this is something yeah. kids are supposed to do. Right. And it's hard when you didn't have other children to compare him to. You're just comp- comparing him to children in the play group. Yeah. So that was, I'm sure, challenging too. Yeah. And we lived in a really, we lived in a very small rural town in Northern California. My husband was a youth pastor at the time in a small church. And people, of course, were very encouraging. They wanted, you know, they, they, they noticed some things that they were trying to just encourage me. And, um, but I spoke with a doctor at one point and I just kind of voiced my concerns and she said, yeah, there are some red flags there. Let's look into this. And at the time, you know, there was words bounced around like cerebral palsy Mm -hmm. and of course autism and which at the time, to be honest, the autism diagnosis terrified me right yeah 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 um just what I knew of autism I I didn't know it well but what I did know was scary to me Mm -hmm. and so that was terrifying and but it still took two like several more years for us to actually finally get a diagnosis Mm -hmm. for Ethan it wasn't until we moved up to Oregon um we were able to get him into a developmental specialist and we mm-hmm. went through the whole screening um, all that um, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. was it so almost was, a relief was it almost a relief to you to finally know what you were looking at you know what's really interesting is in those several years I mean I was so emotionally up and down and just like worried and mm-hmm. I would read everything and research everything. And I just wanted to know, like, because I knew what I saw was, I think, I think at first I thought he was just going to outgrow it. But then as time went along, like I knew, I knew in my heart there was something more. Right. And so this seems maybe strange, but the day that we finally got the appointment to go to the developmental specialist, I remember walking out the door and just thinking, Lord, I really want this to be an autism diagnosis mm. because I had got to that point where I was, I knew in my heart that it was something. Yes. And I wanted to move along, like mm-hmm. to go up there and be told, oh, we don't know, but there's something. Yeah. Because we've been we've been told that several times prior. Yeah. And so yes, so when we were, when we finally, he was finally diagnosed. I remember this weight just lifting mm-hmm. off my shoulder, but at the same time, I cried. Of course. There's yeah. that emotional of, wow, he just said autism. Mm. My son has autism. Yeah. Yeah. Coming to grapple with the reality. It's like, you, you know, there's something, but then when, when that word is finally, that diagnosis is finally there, then it's like, okay, here we are. And now what, you know, now what are we going to do? Right. Yeah. And one of, one of the things that I want to share that was really special about that day was the doctor that gave us the diagnosis. Um, 
he, I'll never forget this um, because I really feel like it changed the trajectory of our story um, just in regards to how we dealt with it and processed it. But he said to me, I want you to know that you are leaving this room with the same child you came here with. Mm-hmm. And that was just huge for me yeah. like, to hear that encouragement. Mm-hmm. And I have thought of that so many times over the years. Yeah. When I yeah. felt sad and discouraged. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same child. And and you know, that that label that may describe who are, you know, that may just be a description for them, but it does not define who they mm-hmm. are. And that's what that doctor was telling you. You know, you, you, you're walking out with the same child you walked in here with. It's just another way to help you try to get him the resources and the help yes. that he needs. So when you're, look, you're looking at your life now, he's 18. And mm-hmm. so how <laughs> does autism impact him now at 18? Okay. So Ethan, um, so he, turned 18 in May of 2021 and um, last year was actually the senior year of high school mm-hmm. and um, we really wanted him to be able to walk with his class yes and um, thankfully um, in our town we were allowed to have um, an in-person outdoor graduation ceremony and so um, Ethan worked super hard like during the COVID shutdowns I mean he worked so hard and we had a very supportive team at the school who worked really hard with him and he walked with his class and that was just a very special day Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah it was like I just saw all this hard work that we had done over the years Mm -hmm. with school and teachers and therapists and it's like wow wow here it is showcased. Yes. Yeah. And so is he still in school? I know, you know, with a lot of our kids, they graduate with their class, but yet they stay, you know, till they're in their, their twenties. So is he still, does he yes. still go to school? And yes, he, our um, high school has a transition program. Mm-hmm. And so he is currently uh, attending there and he just goes a regular school day yeah. and it's in person, thankfully right now yeah and he's he's been enjoying it for the most part (laughs) he um has been able to take some classes that maybe he didn't have time for the schedule and he's Mm -hmm. doing some work experience um he's going to the local library which is actually one of his favorite places he loves the library and so he's going there and he's learning how to um, put books back in the shelf and and do things like that and so, you know, he's 18, you transition, tra- you're in the, you know, the transition time into adulthood. And so is, will he um, be living with you all, all of his life? You know, is that, or, or, or does, is he able to look at the possibility of being on his own? What, what does that look, what, what does that look like for him and his world? I mean, you where know, you are right now, it's hard to, you know, obviously it's hard to see mm-hmm. way into the future, but when you look at things right now. You know, for now, Ethan will be with us. Mm-hmm. Um, he just needs that extra assistance with making, you know, choices mm-hmm. and good preparation and different yeah. things like that. And but um, we have talked with him about it a little bit. And at one point, he said, "I'm going to live with my brother." <laughs> yeah. And you know, of course, that's 
lovely, but you know, um, we're not sure that's something that the brother wants, maybe yeah. the, <laughs> that his sibling wants. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And he's also said he's gonna live with his grandma, but you know, that's not really practical either. Right. But um we have been looking at other options, but mm-hmm. we want to make sure that wherever Ethan is, that he's in an environment where he's obviously safe, but um where he can thrive and mm-hmm. learn and be around other people um that will want to see yeah. him thrive. Yeah, I think he could probably be somewhere like that, or even in some kind of assisted, like an apartment. But mm-hmm. he probably would will need supports. Need supports, yeah. He doesn't drive or anything like that, so. So he'll have to have support with for things like that. Mm-hmm. And you know, I know just because I, you know, I went through that transition time with my son many years ago, and that is such a hard emotional time when you're looking at transitioning from, you know, being at school aged into adulthood, when you're looking at guardianship, your son's 18. And I think you all have just gone through that process of guardianship and doing conservatorships and, and all of those things. And so for you as a mom, how did that impact you emotionally as you're looking at all these big life changes and transitions you know, when we have our little babies, we think, oh, you know, we've, we have these big dreams of what we think our life is going to look like. And then when those hopes are dashed or those hopes are changed, how did that impact you then when you just are going through this transition time with him? It was very emotional for me and it was hard because um, he had just turned 18. So there was that huge momentous birthday mm-hmm. and so and in, in my mind I knew that things were looking different he wasn't going to college he wasn't you know driving off somewhere on his own on a big road trip to celebrate his graduation yeah. um right. a really hard day for me was when we first he served the guardianship papers and so they he, served him papers yeah, for, yeah. okay yeah. And it was hard because he really, we had talked with him some about it, but, you know, it was just kind of strange how, how we had a the process of it in yeah. our house. And he said, where is he been? And I was just like, wow, this is kind of real now. Mm, and then when we yeah. had the, the court appointed visitor come mm-hmm. and they ask questions. And yeah. I think it's just hard because you, you, that reality of, this is different. I think, you know, when they're first diagnosed, like it seems so far away. Yes. And yeah. you yeah. have a, a lot more control over their days. And then mm-hmm. in some ways when this happens, it's like, wow, um, this is real. Like, yeah. And this is, this is for life. Yeah. Because I think sometimes like when they're younger, you kind of feel like maybe you're going to find some mir- miracle. Exactly. Right. And that's gonna, you know, change change things and change mm-hmm. the diagnosis. And um, yeah, so it it was very hard emotionally, and it was hard emotionally because even communicating that to other people, especially other moms mm-hmm. in the same season who don't have children, that and trying to explain like yeah. why we were doing this, and mm-hmm. it was I felt I felt quite alone in that time, mm-hmm. to be honest. And I didn't really know quite how to communicate it to other people. Yeah. Yeah. But it was hard. Yeah. And, you know, 
it, it makes me think about, you know, as special needs moms and special needs parents, um, you know, we experience grief over and over and over again. You know, every time mm-hmm. um, there's a new milestone, every time there's something new that happens, we go through that grief over and over and over again. So I'm sure with this new season, there had to have been the grief process, the you know, grieving this whole season. Um that was going to be so different than maybe your friends around you and what the other, you know, his peers, what they were experiencing. And so for you, when those grief times come, what do you typically do to help yourself process through those hard seasons? Yeah. So I just kind of want to want to explain a little bit to you about like my experience with grief, because I remember after Ethan was diagnosed, having these feelings like I was grieving and I really couldn't quite understand like mm-hmm. why, why was I feeling this way and I almost felt guilty because I had my child I hadn't lost anybody mm-hmm. and um as time went on I um actually attended a class in our church that was a grief care class that went through the steps of grief and so I thought this would be really good for me to actually mm-hmm. go through this. And so that's when I actually realized like I was grieving mm-hmm. and it wasn't that it wasn't the loss of a child, but it was the loss of what I thought my child right. was going to be. Mm-hmm. And also one of the main things I've learned along the way is like seeing my child for the person that God's created him to be. Yes. At first I was so focused on the autism that all I could see was autism and all I wanted to read about was autism. And then when I was able to shift my focus to, Hey, this is a child that God has given us and he's fearfully and wonderfully made. That's when I was able to move mm-hmm. and move ahead in the grief process. But so one of the things I think I do now, like when we were going through the guardianship was recognizing it and verbalizing it mm. and, um, you know, finding those, like I verbalize it to my husband and I have a really good friend that I talked to. And then I have another friend who had just walked through guardianship like two years ago. Mm-hmm. And so I called her actually on, I think it was the day he turned 18 and talked with her and just hearing her share her story, her experience yes. it really helped me not feel so alone, but also like not guilty for feeling those grief feelings again. Mm, That is, that is powerful. And, you know, I think that's so true. And that's like, even the power behind this podcast is for other parents to hear you say, you know, to hear your story, just like you had that other friend who walked alongside you, who had already gone through it and to validate those feelings of, yeah, it's okay to grieve this. And it's okay to be sad about this. And it's okay Mm -hmm. to, you know, go through all those emotions and all those feelings and not to, to put guilt, not to feel guilty yeah. about that. And, um, you know, I think that's so important, you know, that kind of goes right into, you know, something that we talk about all the time at Rising Above is the importance of community. You know, we have to be in community with other people who, those who get and understand our life and also those who don't get and understand our life, you know, who maybe don't want the special needs life. And so, mm-hmm. How do you make that happen in your world? 
How, how do you find time to be able to build those relationships when, you know, you're a busy mom and you've got three kids and, you know, you're working through, you know, working with someone who has autism, helping them. So how in the world do you find time to make community a priority in your life? It's definitely challenging and um, something I feel like I have to constantly work at. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, for me, pro- probably trying to schedule ahead, get togethers with friends and just going out for lunch. And I, I like to connect with other moms, not just moms who have children with special needs. Right. I think it's good for unhealthy for us mm-hmm. to be. I totally agree. Around yeah. other moms too. And, um, you know, when there's opportunities to uh, get together, we have an organization in our community, um, a family network. And prior to COVID, we would have mom's nights out and I would, we'd go to um, where you do the paintings. Yes. And we yeah. paint and, yeah. um, or we go right for pizza or something. And so, I think just trying to be intentional mm-hmm. and, and it's not always like that physical getting together because that's difficult. Right. Um, but just trying to be connected either mm-hmm. with a text or um, a phone call. Phone calls are hard. Yeah. <laughs> phone calls are hard. Yes, I agree. <laughs> I agree. But just that connection and staying just so that when those hard moments come, you know who you can turn to. And and yeah. I love, I love that what I loved with what you shared earlier was that you were talking about you didn't hold it in. When you were feeling those feelings, you talked about it with your husband and you talked about it with a friend who'd already been through it. And you know, I think so often we hold things in and we think yes. that, you know, then that brings shame and we don't, you know, all these, all these other emotions that go along with it. But when we can go to somebody else who's already been ahead of us yeah. and can talk it through. Um, I think that's helps us all be able to process through things better. And so I, I love that, that, that you, when you, when you sense that coming on, that's kind of what your strategy is. It's like, okay, I need to go share this with somebody. And mm-hmm. I think that's such a great lesson for so many of us to receive um, that we need to have those people in our life that we can be vulnerable with and share those hard things and, and know they're not going to judge us because of what we're, of what we're saying. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I know, okay, you've got three boys. Yes. Three boys. And so, you know, three kids, three boys, you're trying to manage and juggle all of them and their needs. And so how do your younger siblings, your, your younger boys, how do they interact and relate with your son who has autism? And then how do you make it work in your world? How do you try to juggle all the balls and keep, you know, keep all the plates <laughs> spinning in our crazy life? Right. Um, so one a story I would like to share that is kind of neat in regards to the sibling relationship is so I was talking earlier about Ethan walking and his graduation mm-hmm. and his teacher had reached out to me and said you know he he's probably going to need a buddy to walk with him so we were thinking maybe his brother could walk with him because he's kind of a similar age and size and and um I was like wow yeah what a great idea so we you know we we of course talked to Micah about it and asked him if he would be okay 
because he'd have to wear, you know, shirt and tie and a graduation gown. And so Micah walked with Ethan. Oh, wow. um, It was just the most sweetest thing because our siblings, they do go through a lot. And Mm -hmm. at times, you know, I remember putting him in the stroller when we had therapy and he'd have to sit and just to see him be supportive. And um, I just see that with my boys, there's an understanding there Mm -hmm. at times, especially when, you know, if Ethan's having a hard day of where we've gone maybe on a trip and Ethan's really struggling. He really has a hard time with sometimes with uh, transition and just mm-hmm. routine being broken and just seeing their patience at times. And I think we just, as a family and as a couple, we really try to be intentional at times of doing one-on-one mm-hmm. activities. And they're not necessarily like fancy things. Like my youngest really likes to ride bike. So him and his dad will go by bike riding mm-hmm. and um just Micah really like needs to verbally process so sometimes it's just going for a drive and letting mm-hmm. him, t- him talk mm-hmm. um in regards to juggling I, I don't know how well I do it but um I have a very supportive husband too mm-hmm. but, that's and great thankfully and he does a really great job um mm-hmm. at helping and then we also have a really amazing um, support person that we've known for years who comes mm-hmm. in to our home and she'll take Ethan um, to the library and shopping and things like that. And so yeah. having someone like her that we trust, mm-hmm. and we've huge. known her, yeah, we've known her for years. We met her through our church. And so, um, and also having similar faith values as us has been mm-hmm. a, a gift. Yeah. Well, it sounds like when you look at community and you look at spending time with your your boys, you guys are very intentional about what you do. Be. Yeah. And I think that makes it makes a difference. Instead of just letting things happen, you really set forth to be intentional and to, to make sure that 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 is taking place to try to meet the different and unique needs. And I love that, like what you said, one of your sons, his is bike riding. So instead of trying to pull him into your world and get him to do something that maybe you like, you're going to go and do something that's freeing for him or the car ride or what, you know, whatever it is. And so um, I think it's beautiful that you have um, looked to find the ways to interact with them and find what's going to be feed their souls um, on the journey. (laughs) Yeah. So when you look at your life, you know, there's so many things just in you know, life in general that are can cause so much discouragement and so mm-hmm. much hard. What are things that you do to try to keep from getting discouraged? Well, I mean, my faith is really important to me. And so spending time in the word. And one of my favorite things to do is walk. I love mm-hmm. walking. Mm-hmm. And so I usually, sometimes I just like to walk in silence and because there's a lot of noise in my house. Yes. yes I mean, I have yeah. three boys and there's wrestling and you, my boys can't even walk quietly or, you know, <laughs> eat quietly. Yeah. So, so I love to um, walk and sometimes I put my audio Bible on mm-hmm. and I listen to that. And um, sometimes I just pray. And yeah. sometimes I just pray out loud. Yeah. Especially when I'm walking because there's no one around. Yeah. 
Well, and, you know, I think for, you know, you're talking about your faith. And so one of the things that I think those that helps me is just like knowing that even how hard things are here right now, it's not always going to be this hard. We have this hope of, of heaven when all the hard, you know, God's going to make everything new. And I love the thought of like all the things John Alex is going to get to do that he didn't get to do here. So when you think about that with your son, what is something that you just cannot wait for him to get to do that maybe he was unable to do, has been unable to do here, this side of heaven? Wow. That's really exciting to think about. And in some ways, it's like, I still want Ethan to be Ethan mm-hmm. when we go to heaven. But I think one of the things is maybe having a conversation. Ethan is verbal, but our conversations at times are more to do with things he's interested in, mm-hmm. or he likes to quote movie lines. And so I think for me, um, maybe just asking him some questions that before I haven't been able to mm-hmm. ask him, right? or I haven't got the answer. And just seeing him be himself yeah. and just... I'm, I'm excited for that. Ethan, I feel, loves Jesus, and he loves to listen to Focus on the Family and Odyssey. He loves the Odyssey adventures. Mm-hmm. And so quite often, he'll, he'll talk to me about different things he hears. And so I'm just really excited that he has his own, he has a faith, and that he um, one day will be with Jesus, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, this year at Rising Above, it this is the year of restoration. We're looking at different ways yes. that we can allow God to restore our beaten and battered souls. Because I think just life in general as a special needs parent is challenging. But with all that we've gone through the last several years, it has been so challenging. And so we as a ministry want to look at ways that we can restore our souls. Mm-hmm. So what are you currently doing right now? that is helping allow God to restore your soul? Yeah, so this is this is a great question um, because over the last few weeks, um, I had a friend um, be pretty honest with me and kind of um, share with me some things that she had seen in me um, and where some issues that, uh, she felt I needed to deal with. But this is a friend I've known for 20 years. So I trusted her mm-hmm. words. It was really hard to hear. Right. I didn't like hearing it, but I knew that when someone like that who loves, loves me that well is going to tell me, mm-hmm. it's something I need to pay attention to. And so something that I've been thinking about for years was counseling, finding some kind of biblical counseling. Mm-hmm. I had never really... I'd heard other people talk about it and how mm-hmm. helpful it was and I just hadn't done it I mean I had talked with past my pastor once in a while right and so I thought this situation with my friend just made me realize I really have to pursue mm-hmm. this yeah and so I did find um I found someone and I just started recently doing some biblical counseling and mm-hmm. I'm excited because I feel like when we're not 
fully restored in our faith that we just, I feel like it's harder for God to use us. Like mm-hmm. we could, I mean, God uses our insecurities, our inadequacies. Right. Anyway, but when we're not walking like with in him, freedom. Yeah, in freedom. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, in freedom. And we're just kind of stuck in those little mm-hmm. things. And I have become stuck in some stuff. So I'm just really excited um, to go through mm-hmm. this process. And um, and I and the other thing I was saying that I've started doing is walking. Mm-hmm. So I I love. I've always loved walking, but um, I really have made myself intentional with going every day. And because um, I, when I'm outside in God's creation, then mm-hmm. I feel like I can focus on absolutely. It's, it's life giving, isn't it? To yeah, be out in nature, it's it is. It's life giving. Yeah. yeah, and even in Oregon weather, I don't mind it. Mm. It's it's refreshing to me even to walk in the rain. So yeah. those are just some of the things that I feel like. God's been doing in my life and mm. areas of restoration. That's great. Well, Jane, I have so loved this conversation with you and getting to visit with you and know more about your family and you sharing your heart. And um, I just appreciate you taking the time to share with yeah. us today. So thank you so much. I'm just so grateful. And my heart is that for other moms just to not feel alone Mm. and to know there's other moms right there walking the same the same path the same journey and um that's something that i've always had on my heart Mm. in this journey is like i don't want any other mom to feel left alone yes Yes. so thank you for uh, allowing me to share my story today (laughs) well i appreciate it so much and i know it's going to be a blessing to our listeners so thank you thank you Thank you for listening to the Rising Above Ministries podcast. If you like what you hear, please take a minute to leave us a rating and review. This helps others like you find our content more easily. You can learn more about how Rising Above Ministries is encouraging the special needs community by checking out our website at risingaboveministries.org or by finding us on Facebook and Instagram. We look forward to connecting with you.